Well, hi, Chick. Hi. I'm with you today. I love an excuse to be with you. What would we do without technology in this day? I Not know. Quarantine, but um, I'm so excited to introduce to you Chick, who is really like a spiritual daughter to Johnny and I. We just love her so much. And she lives on the other side of the country in California. And um, uh, Chick will tell you more about herself, but I, I want to just give a proper introduction and tell you one of my favorite things about her is her perseverance. This is one of the strongest mm -hmm. women I know, especially for her age, just um, the, what, she's what she's gone through and so many different fronts on her in her lifetime. But I got to know you probably best, Chick, during a really difficult season in your life. You just come through um, a very traumatic terrible car wreck with a lot of physical recovery. And um, I just saw like this steadiness in you and, and your roots go so deep into God. Mm -hmm. and I so respect that about you. And it's encouraging for Johnny and I to meet um, young women from your generation that, that love the Lord and mm -hmm. not ashamed of that, but you're willing to show up in the areas of expertise and influence that you have and be authentically you. Um, Chick is an artist. She is a pop singer and writer. Uh, she's also known for her K-pop writing, her songwriting. Yeah. She's a, a worshiper. Yes. <laughs> so you can tell us more about yourself, and then we'll start with a couple of questions. But what would you like our audience to know about you? Well, the first thing I want them to know is how much I love you two, because oh. you guys have been such a blessing to me, but not just me, to so many people. Um, the sacrifice that you guys have made over the years, through your books, through your teachings, through your healing, through your love. Um, I'm just one piece of the fruit, but so many people have been saved by you and your sacrifice. So I just wanna thank you guys for just constantly saying yes, constantly giving up your lives for others. Honestly, thank you so much. That's the first thing I want them to know. Uh, okay. And um, I'm just honored to be here. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to talk to you guys. This is like, this is a dream for me because you guys have impacted me spiritually so much. So I'm excited to be here and give, but I'm also excited to grow myself. So thank you for having me. <laughs> well, anything else you want to tell them about um, just what you're, what you're doing currently? And then we'll shift over into some of the specific questions we wanted project to ask you. Or something. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so after my accident, which sure we'll maybe talk about, but this is a crazy car accident. I really shifted from songwriting to, um, I, I call it artistry, but I don't really look at it like that, but basically telling my story. I've spent so many years helping people craft their story and how they need to tell it to the world. And God started to give me downloads on how he wanted me to tell mine. So I'm just in the building process of it. I don't really know what I'm doing, so I have to let the spirit lead because I've only done one thing my entire career. So I'm just so excited to finally be able to like tell about what God's done for me um, through song form and other content forms, however he sees fit. So we're working on the album right now. And that's like big deal for me because I've never done one. And I'm so excited. Oh, that's amazing. And I love getting little glimpses of, of your process. You were mentioning that you had your to your home yesterday and y'all just spent the day starting off. Just, okay, God, Holy Spirit, Great. lead us. 
<laughs> and it was amazing. We pray in and through it, we just like, we yeah, we just let him lead and tell us what the world needs to hear and what we need to hear too. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Chick, one of the things we want to um, get right in and, and start talking about mm -hmm. course, since the, you know, it was the, the George Floyd death was sort of catalytic to a whole, mm. uh, 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 a whole bunch of things that took place in this nation. Yeah. Some, some good, some bad riots mm. and him that weren't so good, but demonstrations, solidarity, attention yeah. to racial issues that are, are still needing attention. And so we committed ourselves, Elizabeth and I, just to keep the conversation alive. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, it takes courage to keep the conversation alive and have constructive conversation, courageous conversation on it. And we just think it's good for all our, our listeners uh, just to be able to hear someone like you. They've already heard enough. Okay, you're, uh, you're a singer, songwriter, and you're the next generation. I don't know what generation we call the next generation. Next down from us, at least maybe more than one. <laughs> Um, and you're amazing and all that, but you're also black. And so you've experienced life just a little bit different than, yeah. uh, than whites and, you know, Latinos experience it another way as well. And yeah. sometimes we like to, uh, you know, just have the initial conversation we just had and ignore that aspect of the conversation. But mm -hmm. if you're comfortable, we haven't had a pre-conversation on this at all, but I think mm -hmm. it would be good for our audience to hear any ways that you have uh, experienced racism, just for the honest conversation of it, to whatever degree you're, you're comfortable with. So they just, they're able to get into your shoes a little bit that, you know, what you've had to uh, yeah. move through and overcome just in, in your life. So whatever you're comfortable sharing in there, that would uh, be instructive for us. Yeah. It's crazy because it's been so much, that I, I wouldn't even know like really where to start. But I think as you were speaking more and more, I think where I've experienced it and I've been the most conscious as a child, I experienced it on the playground a lot. As a child though, it's, it's kind of taking a route of its own that I have no idea about. So as an adult, I wanna say where I've really felt it and even the trauma from a childhood really came into play is being one of the only black worship leaders at all white churches. And I have gotten calls that, well, we have more black people coming in our church and we really want them to see themselves. So can we hire you? Churches I don't attend, just free. So it actually created a business for me where all white churches needed black a black worship leader that could sound white. And it took me a while to really catch on to this. So as a young songwriter and, and singer, I was always told, oh, we thought you were a white girl when we heard the song, but oh, you walk in the room and it's like, oh, that was you. So I, I grew up with this crossover voice that didn't sound quote unquote black. And it followed me. So then here I am, mid-20s, and now churches are like, your voice works for us, but we also needed the color. So it's just, it just works for us. Can we hire you for the weekend? And I had no idea the level of trauma this was hitting on my identity. I had no idea how much I was losing the richness of who I was as a Black woman, trying to fit into this mode, trying to make sure I sounded like I needed to sound. 
And eventually it, it took on its own voice to the point where I didn't even know what I sounded like. I didn't know what my voice was. I didn't know what I sounded like singing as me, as chick. Um, and so when the George Floyd thing happened, though we have seen many, many black men and women die at the hands of police brutality for absolutely nothing, broken headlights, running in neighborhoods they don't live. I mean, the th it'd be like, they didn't even have weapons. Now, if they got weapons and they're drawing it out, that's a whole nother story. But when we see innocent young boys with a bag of Skittles being killed, it's like, we see it, but what made George so crazy to me is a friend of mine said, I was like, I'm trying to figure out why did this one wake up the world? What was so special about George? I see it every day. So I I couldn't quite see, and the anger was so high, the rage was so high that I probably couldn't see it if I wanted to. And I had a beautiful friend of mine come to me and say, when's the last time we seen someone murdered and we seen the story from beginning to end with people close to him killing him, but then people surrounding them screaming, please don't kill him. And the one that's being killed yell out mama. She's like, when's the last time we seen that? She said, Jesus, this is the last time we seen it. She said, no other case of black lives being taken have we seen it from beginning to end. Have we heard the person scream for their mama? Have we seen like the whole eight minutes and something seconds, we're just like there. She's like, we haven't seen that since Jesus. There was, and and it hit me, and I had to go. And I'm looking, I'm looking through the archives, and it's so true. We always get the story right in the middle. We never see it, and I think it was an anointed murder. And for me as well, it woke me up. I think we talk a lot about how it woke the world up and all the non-black people in the world up, but it 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 woke a lot of the black people up too, and how we have just for survival have tried to fit in just so that we don't ruffle feathers. And I think it's interesting because people assume that black people, especially black women are really aggressive, got an attitude problem, but little do they know, like it is defense. When I walk into a store, what I feel from people looking at me, a white girl will never understand. She will never understand how I have to make sure everyone in the room knows I'm not a threat. I have to work, oh, and it's natural. It's, I do it every day. It's not something that I think about. I just know, I know it's different and it just becomes your life. And so George Floyd was a moment like, I shouldn't have to live like this. She shouldn't have to, he shouldn't have to live. So I think it was a wake up call for a lot of people. Um, and I think that's why it was so anointed and why it's changing the world. Mm. Incredible. Wow. Yeah. What insight. Um, even for, uh, for the white church, we, we need to hear that. Is there, I mean, I, I don't know what the answer would be. What, what would have been a better way? Have you thought of that? What would have been a better way for you to be included or invited or just not invited at all? What, do you have any thoughts on that? So I, I, one of the church, the last church I attended that I left because of racial issues, which when this all blew up, not the pastors at my church, but their head pastors in London, it came out that they were racist and they admitted to it, they stepped down. But I could tell that the leaders of my church who were younger, early thirties, that they couldn't quite get it. So I did tell them that they had made me assistant worship director. And I said, let's have a talk. Like it's, 
the 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 song choices, the lack of diversity, the videos for every series, you don't see any black people on it. Like this is something that we have to, the black people are, are feeling very, um, it wasn't an authentic love. It wasn't like we treat you like we treat everyone else. It was like so intentional for the black people that they felt awkward. They were like, oh guys, we okay, we're fine. But it didn't really reflect on the pulpit. It just, it was kind of a, a afterthought. And you can feel when it's not honest. You can feel as a, especially in all white churches. And so when I went to my pastors, I told them, I said, we gotta, we gotta get a little bit more strategic with how we, and there was no black leaders on staff. All the black, the two black leaders, me and a friend who were on worship team, we weren't on staff. So the whole staff that made executive decisions, there was no one black. And we were like, the reason you guys are missing these moments is because you won't put anyone black on staff to catch it for you. You need someone in that room with you to show you, hey, that that might be a little offensive. Hey, let's grab. And they they didn't feel like they needed to. And when I brought it up to them, they said, well, I was like, you don't really talk about police brutality. And we grieve when one of ours are lost for no reason because we always instantly think we could be next. And I said, so we come heavy on Sunday and our pastor shows no sympathy for it. It breaks us, but we love it. So we keep coming, but it's this, it's this battle we've been fighting for years, just a different face. And he said to me, well, I don't really speak about abortions. And at that time, it was the first time my black skin was compared to abortion. Little did I know that this was a real conversation amongst the white church, that we don't speak up for Black Lives Matter, not the organization, the statement, right? Because the Black Lives Matter foundation, I don't, you know, I still have to research that a little more myself. I'm talking about the statement that Black Lives Matter. That's, it's, that's all. And then the fact that it was compared to the unborn, I couldn't, and I have now experienced uh, we know black lives matter, I, uh, animal lives matter. I've, I've heard that in a sentence. I've heard, oh, the reason I didn't post about um, the black lives matter movement is because I'm really for human trafficking and I didn't want to mix causes on my platform. I have heard, um, well, I know that George Floyd was a sad case, but what about the unborn who were torn limb from limb in their mom's stomach? I've heard these and I'm like, I need you to understand that no one's taking from this. And this is pastors telling me this, by the way, guys, these are leaders telling this to me. And I didn't know how to take it. So I left. That was that was my that was, my solution is I leave the church. Um, but even since then, I, we circled back that one of the pastors came back. He apologized. He said, I had no idea. And so I, I say this statement to a lot of my white leaders and spiritual fathers that I had. I always say, it's one thing not to know, but once you know, if you don't change, then now you don't care. I'm not going to start off saying you don't care. That's going to, that's a little brash. You know, I'm not going to start, off, but I'm going to say you don't know. But once I tell you, once anyone tells you, once you get a glimpse, then if nothing changes, you don't care. And that is kind of, and so one church literally brought me back on to, to lead their black leaders to come up. They put a black person on staff. So I seen change and they really took heed to the George Floyd and it was beautiful. Um, so I think that it, you know, whenever I get a chance, I do, but the other side has to be open too. Yeah. That's so good. Sounds like you're trying to say something. I was just going to say, you know, as, as someone who's been a pastor of church before, and honestly, we didn't have black leadership on staff with us. And I look back now 
And I realized, wow, how would, how can we yeah. learn from, how would I do it differently in the future? Not that I ever want to be a pastor again, but <laughs> I, I, I realized that that's how we got to the first time. Don't say that. No. Listen, let yeah, you know. It's the fact that we didn't know is proof that we didn't, that, that we had friends that we checked off. Oh, I have a black friend. Yes. But what kind of friendship is that if you don't have a deep enough conversation where you actually discover a glaring open wound in someone's heart and life that's not even just theirs? It's it's a whole community. Yep. And so I, I think that we're in this this key time. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that at least one leader in your environment came back around and said, teach us take us to this next level where we understand and we we can get close enough to have voices from the black community tell us what we don't know and yeah. we're, we're committed to making a safe environment for you where you can be honest i love that yeah no that's really good you know i think one of the reasons why often the white church has to resort to tokenism which yeah. is really what you experienced is where this doesn't look good. We've got to have somebody visible. Right. And and then in that there's a place for that, even what you're helping them do. You gotta have blacks in in leadership yeah. and all that. It's because that's a, I, I'm a reformer, so I think of root causes mm -hmm. uh, rather than trying to, you know, there there is there is value in even changing uh, symbolism of it, but there is value in going behind that. And more and, than uh, just token or symbolism. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, the, you know, I was born and raised in Peru, South America. My parents were, were missionaries there. So mm -hmm. I lived my first 18 years. I experienced minority living where I stood out like a sore thumb mm -hmm. every I went. Sometimes it was beneficial. Sometimes it was not beneficial. And probably more than anything, though, I grew up thinking more Hispanic and Latino more than anything. So I actually, I will feel things more like Hispanics uh, do than, than, uh, oh. than the other way. But I, for ever since we've been bringing out the Seven Mountain Message on Reformation, for about 10 years, I have had conversations with white pastors and, and then my friends who are black pastors say, you've got to got to get your white pastors to understand this matter. Yep. is something you brought up. You know, the abortion issue is so it's so clearly that it's a bad thing. Yes. That check off on the white church is like we're we're all about the thing that's obviously the most important. And that's right. abortion. And so in doing that, they are giving all their bandwidth and and in some churches, it's like 100% of their bandwidth only yep. to that and ignoring the other social justice matters. And if people don't like, I know it's kingdom justice is different technically than some way social justice, but we're not going into technicalities right, right now. It's just justice in society, which is an aspect that's strong in the seven mountain mandate. But when you don't recognize the need for justice in every other area besides just on the one Hello, I got the Trump card on this. I, I, yep. I, yep. The main, I got the main one, and so everything else is lesser. Pro-life, you know, like mm. everything is on pro-life. Well, if you're pro-life, 
Exactly. Babies? No, <laughs> no. I said, I said, I said, George Floyd called for his mama. I said, so we're fighting for people to be born, but what happens when we're born and then our lives are taken? I was like, it's so much deeper, and and they're not to be compared. They're their own fight, and I yeah. feel like you're trying to take away from ours when you make abortion and other like like bigger than ours. You're taking away, and I I I I seen a meme that says this, but now I say it, and because it was so great, and I feel so many people feel this way. And the meme said, America is so lucky that black people only want equality rather than revenge. And I, I can't explain to you guys how real this statement is for us. We actually don't have time for revenge. We're too busy trying to make sure the next black generation coming up doesn't have to fear running through a park. We don't have time to figure out how to blow up all white people. It's not It's not even close to our heart to be like, slavery happened to us, we're gonna get you back. I, I And I don't speak for all, but I speak for 90%, no. But we, we just wanna be equal. We don't want revenge. We don't want to hurt anybody. I, I can't say it enough. We just want to be equal. That's all we fight for. That's all we want is to be looked at and given the same opportunities when it comes to loans, when it comes to buying houses, when it comes to starting businesses, that if our name looks different on an application, and you know we're black because our parents are very creative and giving us names. You know, like that you're not throwing it out just because I can't give her this job. You, and like we just want you to see us not like an animal, not like a another. No, we just like you. Like we love like you. We hurt like you. We want to build like like. And we don't get that opportunity. And that's all we're fighting for. Yeah. No, that's that's so good. It's so good for them to just hear that. Um, from you, and you're right, there's nobody, you mentioned speaking for 90%, nobody quite knows what you said. There's so much, there's a lot of change in that. We even have to be careful how we, in quote, defend uh, the fact that there's systemic uh, racism right. because there are black leaders now that are saying there's not systemic racism. It's all how you, how you look at it. Right. I can literally identify racism in the system. I can tell people, here's an ordinance, here's a law, for, for instance, in That's that good. Loitering, loitering laws, vagrancy laws, where do people think they came from? That is, that is, it was made with racial uh, prejudice, those, and, and it gave people, it gave police, it gave, uh, uh, you know, city rights to arrest people for mm -hmm. something what in the world is vagrancy. What in the world does that mean hanging around, loitering? What is that? You can't hang around your community, you're arrested. And so those type of ordinances are systemic racism. So even I'll have some arguments, even with black leaders. And yep. like, they're saying, oh, it's not really. I go, there is systemic racism. I said, I appreciate you trying to overcome it and saying, I'm not going to make excuses. And that's a wonderful right. thing of some new right. black leaders. It We're beautiful. <laughs> I love that they don't want to make excuses, but I, I'll still have to observe and say, you are having new, you have extra. Yeah, all, it's life is hard for everyone, but you have extra hurdles in there that whites don't have. And so I'm just telling you, don't pretend they're not there. I appreciate you're not stopping right. crime, saying remove them first. You're just getting over it and getting over it and getting over it. But it does exist. Right. And I, I think, you know, the part of the story 
that I didn't say as the only black worship leader is there is this false pride that comes over you as a black person when you're the token. It's almost like, finally, I have some power. Finally, I'm seen for who I am and it's not true. And a lot of these people, a lot of these black leaders that are speaking out like this isn't real, Oh, they're feeling that power because because you've made it into the circle because they've decided to give you a break. Then you feel like, well, they'll give us all a break. And that's not the truth of the matter is every group of whatever the organization is, if it's ran by white people, they have to get their token blacks. And the minute you're that token black, oh, my gosh, you forget with the rest of your brothers and sisters are going through. You forget the ones that weren't allowed in the circle. And I have dealt with that. I felt it. And God had to hit me on my, honey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh my God, wait a minute. And and that, I see it in leaders all the time. I'm like, oh, they let you in and you forgot. It happened to me. And that is what's happening, I feel, with so many of our black leaders. So many of them. It's a false sense of power. False sense of power. It, it, that, that makes sense for any human that would experience that. And I, and I wonder if part of it also is such a distaste for being known as victims and feeling protective mm. over the reputation of your Black community. Like, mm. we don't want victims anymore. And so they're so eager to throw off that maybe label or that mm. mentality. And I think what Johnny and I are, are feeling that it's important for us as white leaders to voice is that it needs to, if, if white leaders would start taking um, taking the challenge and, and, and uh, that's the word I'm for, taking initiative to be the ones to speak up and say, yeah. we need to give not only just remove hurdles, but give some extra help in areas that are needed so that mm -hmm. equality can, you can catch up. Mm -hmm. More people can catch up. Mm -hmm. um, yes. You're not having black leaders feel like we're, if we're, you know, we're, we have to be the ones to speak up for our community and say, help us. And then we look like victims even more. Right. So like we have to have more of a voice to demand. I'm seeing that through some of this time of protesting and all you're seeing more and more white people in the community kind of step up and say, we're going to fight not only with you, but for you. It's related to that follow up really saying that as well. One of the things we were encouraging even white leaders is, is that, you know, we have to stop, um, telling the things that need to be corrected in the black community. It's like, hey, we'll look at it. Come on, John. And <laughs> <laughs> so like if I say black leader wants to tell black people things they need to overcome and do and don't be bitter. Don't be like, let, let them do that internally. We have to own up to our stuff. This is not a time Ooh. for finger pointing over into that area you know we have to recognize yeah. and one of the things we have to recognize again for what people get so mad it, it, the, the issue of systemic racism does it exist or not exist and again i have and i don't want to do it every time we, we have a program but i have a whole list of ordinances laws sentencing guidelines yep. matters and and prison 
and and yeah, it's, it blacks aren't the only one. Hispanic suffer. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole other conversation and, and another yep. time. And and it's a, it's a newer uh, a newer conversation. They haven't been around as long, and they don't have the same mm-hmm. trajectory where they came from and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's different. You know, this is this has been here since the foundation of our country and all, and all that. But we want to, and for those listening, it, this is about owning up to what and you say, well, I didn't, do it. yeah, there's a whole thing. I didn't do it. We didn't do it and all that kind of stuff. But there's, there are things that we can do um, by just looking at in, into our own, and we'll call it white uh, world and white life. There are assumptions we carry. There are things we don't even consider. Um, and and again, I know how 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 that is. Is it's just you just don't uh, you don't think you go through an airport and and you don't think when you're majority you just you just think you just there's so many things when you're the majority race you don't even think about and it just changes when you're that because I remember the difference of when I would travel in the states and then I was back in Peru and then all of a sudden I was the sore thumb that uh, stood out uh, and it's entirely different um, uh, perspective when that happens. And so anyway, our encouragement is we want to say, this is not encouragement to you, but take advantage of this moment to say, hello, there are, first of all, we just got to get over it. There is systemic racism. Yeah, there's some black leaders that say it's not, and they're trying to be brave and be good voices uh, um, and, and for, you know, pressing through anyway, but we can do something about Mm-hmm. Um, identifying, I, I encourage black leaders and pastors, and we shouldn't make them identify it. Have to mm. go search out where all the systemic racism is. How about we do the research? We find out. I have, I got a whole list of them. And why don't we do something what we can to bring attention to it? And that's the way we begin um, bringing some kingdom solutions to the matter, because that's that's the idea. Yep. Um, Begin that's to bring so kingdom solutions to to this mm. thing that me is trying to uh, make mayhem out of. No, it's so good, and it is. I think that um, there's so many black organizations working in the wings on black on black crime. You know, though it's proximity based. Um, when you grow up in the hood, a means of survival is killing. So that's something there's, I have friends that run huge organizations to stop that. Um, The black female uprising that I created was a space where I could just pour into black women who have felt in fear, who have felt completely unseen by society. And and I had many friends that said, can I join that weren't black? And I said, I love you. And maybe I'll start one later, but you cannot join this. They were like, we know we're not black. I'm like, you can't, because specifically I just need to pour into them. The thing is, our job right now isn't to talk about black on black crime on the main on the main stage. It's not to talk about black women not feeling necessarily beautiful on the main stage. The main stage right now is police brutality and the white America seeing us as equals. That is the main stage. But know that in the black community, there is so much being talked about. We absolutely have to break that that curse of systemic racism first off of our spirits so that it can physically manifest in, in our neighborhoods and in our 
our, our America, our black America, because we are completely oppressed by what they did. Our minds are still enslaved in so many ways. So this is a work that needs to be done in the black community. We need to be reminded of our royalty. We need to be reminded of how much God loves us and how he sees us equal first, which is all that matters. And then that will give us the strength to fight everything else. And I think if we keep fighting backwards, it does start to make us look a little, And but just know that we're, we're doing the work behind closed doors. We just can't put it on the main stage because then certain societies will take that black on black crime and run with it. They'll run with it. And in that moment, all the other cases are just, they don't matter, they're not as important. So we have to kind of do it on the back end. <laughs> we have to do it in our neighborhoods, specifically home to home. We have to right now, because if not, the real, the real story, what we feel is the real story, it'll get lost in everything else. But there is a work we have to do to, to heal from what happened to us. It's a real work that we have to do. That was so, so well said, and I'm glad that made it to our audience because, you know, it takes a while to, to dig into this and we're running out of time here, but people don't understand that there is, there is a residual effect yeah. of when there's the white cops doing a lot, George Floyd, what happens there, there's the residual, the repercussional effect into the black community where in this, because it wasn't the first time, it's over and over and over. When they see their lives don't matter, speaking of the statement is right, Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter, goes to the movement. When they're, it's being told them by the majority race, your life doesn't mm -hmm. matter. And then mm -hmm. they subconsciously begin living that out among themselves. Because yes. yes, the whites point out, yes. well, black on black crime is terrible. That's why it's good you're saying, we know that. We know that has to be taken care of. <laughs> They don't realize how that is affected by that type of yes. uh, that of th those type of events begin to affect that. And when yeah. you have these other issues, uh, if I took the time, the systemic racism as it relates even to uh, criminal justice sentencing guidelines, mm -hmm. other laws that were made really for black communities, yes. and because really no, there's no usage for them in white communities, mm -hmm. they don't understand how that feeds into an anger that yep. especially inner city well, I understand that i think just like 50 percent of black america is not really in an inner city dynamic so it's not right. for everybody those that are in that dynamic it is feeding a rage that's not it's Woo! not take care of yourself y'all take care of yourself stop doing that no it comes from outside from things yeah. we can work on to improve realities uh for them so yes. I have another uh, comment to that, and then I, I have a last question for you, Chick. Okay. Is there something you wanted to say in response no, to No, I was just saying that was so good. <laughs> so um, this this keeps coming to my heart right now. Just the, the parable that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the details of it, but wasn't the Samaritan like kind of thought less of in culture? Oh, time. most definitely. And so person after person walked by. I didn't hurt that person. Why do I need to take time yeah. out of Woo! what's happening in my day right now to take care of this wounded person here? Wow. You know, and and Jesus highlighted that story for a reason. I think it has serious implications for what we're going through right now in society related to racism. Mm -hmm. And if someone is wounded, 
I don't get to be the one to question, are you really wounded or not? Mm -hmm. Or even how did you get wounded? Like the, the, the thing that God cares about is my response to it. Yes. Am I willing to step aside from my comfort and mm -hmm. my agenda mm -hmm. and my, this is what's happening in my life and my day. I don't have time to stop and care about something that someone else did to this person. Wow. Why would I take responsibility? So when we look back and even just, we may not consciously think we didn't do it. We weren't a part of the generation that, that agreed with slavery, but right. you know what? We're walking past wounded people right now every single day. Yep. And some of them we know and we say we love and care about specifically in our personal lives. Even if we don't personally know them, we right. have to as a society stop right. and 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 take inventory and respond correctly. That's yep. a given to me. So my next point was right. gonna be that'll lead to a question. As a mother of white daughters, um, and a black son, and a black son, <laughs> I raised our black son um, as a child. He was already grown when we adopted him. So I'm just speaking into yeah, our, our right. white a kids totally right now. Different scenario. I didn't have to teach my white daughters to grow up and love their skin color, right? Or now I will say this, I did have to work with them on their lack of curves. <laughs> okay. Great. Look, look at that. <laughs> we, we were real skinny growing up, but oh. you know, tease for not having a figure and stuff like that. Different ones of yeah. them have done better at this point in their lives now. But anyway, that's just funny. But I didn't have to teach them to do that. And so some white people will make this argument right now. Why does color matter. I am colorblind. I don't see white or black. And wouldn't it be racist if I taught my kids to love the fact that they're white? I don't think so, because this is how I think of it. <laughs> if I sent my kids to school and to the store and outside of my house every single day, and they were literally like, like most everyone else around them had clothes on and they didn't. I would have to work on the fact with them that, hey, you know, it's okay that you don't have clothes. You're, that might be a poor analogy, but I'm just trying no, to say No, that's a great like, analogy. That was great. Something that makes them feel very different than other people yes. that they be yes. aware of moment by moment. Yes. So the reason I don't have to teach them to love their white skin is because other people love white skin all around them. Yes. So yes. It's not just not an issue. Mm -hmm. so that being said, what what do you say to anyone who who has that argument and 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 help us understand kind of the the focus God has you personally on right now with other black women in your lives and empowering them? What does that look like? Um I think you actually said something to me one day that was really cool on the phone. And you said, God, you know, the fight being a woman, you know, it can be, and I'm paraphrasing, but she was like, just being a woman can be so tough, especially when you're strong, you're in leadership, like all the things just as a woman. And then you were like, 
but then being a black woman <laughs> and I had never even heard it like that. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. Like the, the opposition, we're fighting several wars every day, all day um, to be heard, to be seen. And it is something that I, I even constantly have to work on. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that those who are saying that it that they are, they did, they don't see color, which is a shame because you should, because it's really beautiful. All of the colors are really beautiful and God sees color. So I think it's a good thing to see color. Um, I had to get to a place where I just love how God made me in general. And that is what I teach black women. Let's actually not even, our color, yes, by way, we gonna walk out the door. I don't know how long we have to fight until it's just not something that's seen, but just in case, just in case it never goes away. If you know who you are, if you know how God created you is literally perfect, beautifully, wonderfully made, no mistakes. Again, I can fight the people who caused slavery or I can go to my people and help you get up, wipe off your blood, get you some new clothes. Because if I'm screaming all day at the ones that beat you, I'm I'm just as bad and wounded at the end of the day and drained at the end of the day. So I, we as a black community, and I was so thankful when I seen these protests and it's all these non-black people, I said, for the first time in history, we get to mourn. <laughs> for the first time we can breathe and just grieve because the whites and the Asians and the everybody, the Mexicans, they stood up for us. And for the first time we could cry. This is the first time in history we could cry because usually we can't because we have to be so strong. But for the first time I see, I see more non-blacks at that protest because we couldn't leave the house. We were too broken and I was so thankful for everyone that was yelling Black Lives Matter that wasn't black, because then it gave us a moment to just be with God and be like, why do we even have to go through this? Why do we even have to go? We had a chance to just talk to God for the first time because the world carried us. Wow. And so I thank my white friends all the time because that's the bulk of my friends outside of black, but I thanked them I think I'm like, you don't know how much it actually means when you just say they are worthy of love. It gives me a chance not to have to say anything. And I and, and when we're talking, we have to be so strong. So this moment in time gave us a chance to be weak in him. And he was strong for us. And I, again, we needed that. This is such a divine moment. It's so intentional, God. So I'm so thankful for it. So my job now, I say everybody right now has a different job. Like Johnny was saying, it's not the job of white people to bring up black on black crime. It is the job of black people to bring up black on black crime. 100, that's our job. That's a part of our job. And I feel like my job as a black woman is for me to wipe the blood off of my black sisters who have just been beaten by society. We don't fit in. It's always, we're great for entertainment, but that's it. That's as far as it goes. And I'm like, my, so what happens when they're not clapping for you anymore? What happens when they're not playing your songs anymore? What happens when in, your entertainment isn't entertaining anymore? You have no sense of, and my job and my heart right now, and I believe is to be like, first of all, there's another life after this life. That's what we're really living for. So if this never changes, don't worry because there is a reward stored up for you. You. 
But in the meantime, while you're here, hopefully I can help you enough to help the next black woman. Black woman, what a lot of white people don't know is we have become so competitive of one another because there seems like there's only space for one at the church. There's only space for one black worship leader, you know, at the job. There's really only a space for one black token. Like in the movies, there is only space for a couple of them. So we become competitive against each other. There's not enough room. They're, the whole cast is white and we just need to make sure we get our minorities in there. So we fight each other. We become, and I I'm like, we're breaking it off of my black women. When we see each other, we need to hug. We need to smile. We need to say there's room for all of us. We need more black. So that's my job right now to show that there's room and that you're worthy. And so everybody has a different job. Everybody has a different job right now. And I, I think the power in it is when we all realize what our role is right now. Incredible. That is so, so powerful. I mean, so much of what you said all throughout this interaction between us has been amazing. That last stretch was uh, just profound, heart-touching. Well, you can see Elizabeth. And... Um, <laughs> You know, I was going to ask you a question. We've run out of time, but you just answered the question anyway. I was going to ask you, what gives you hope for, you know, and what recently happened? And you just state that to see the millions that came out with you as well. You know, it got muddied. The water got muddied by the Black Lives Matter movement. But there was Antifa, Antifa the mix and all that. That yeah. that's just, uh, that, that muddied the waters. But millions and millions of Whites and like you said, yes, Hispanics and Asians um, came out, and I think if we look at a, at a hopeful thing moving forward, this is what I've seen: like the next two generations, the millennials and the Gen Zs, mm -hmm. they are horrified by racism in general. There's, <laughs> you know, there's some that have been the, uh, that have been so perhaps trained in racism, they can't, but it's like they 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 just can't even. And it's just, it horrifies me. I don't know what else to say. That's why you mentioned earlier on, you're trying to do this for black women empowerment. Uh, and, and it's like, get all the yeah. white women. Can we do this with you? There's, there is yeah. there is such a God thing that's happening in the midst of this to give us hope for moving forward. And yeah, you, you said it right. There's, you know, we have heaven before us, but I think you're like us. That's the whole message tied into the Reformation message. Mm -hmm. David said. I would have fainted if I didn't believe I'd see the goodness of God Woo! in the land of the living. And so we got to see this in the land of the living. I think even in the midst of, uh, of all the complicatedness of the last several weeks and months, there's some really, really uh, positive uh, things moving forward. And part of it is we've got to keep having these type of uh, dialogues. I think this is, I hope we have uh, a lot of our white friends that will have listened specifically to this one because it's, out uh, so different than our, our other they were all excellent too coming from a different slant but this just uh, this came out so good so mm -hmm. we just want to thank you so much for yeah. being real with us I'm so uh, proud of you you're yeah. just so um so sharp so well spoken you're so amazing. beautiful and all the ways you can be beautiful and there's everything we can do to serve you and cheer for you you know that's our hearts and your life, yeah, your life doesn't just matter, it's vital. Uh, <laughs> I love you guys so much. I love you so, so much. Thank you so much for this. Can you tell our audience anything you want them to know if they wanted to follow up with you yeah. or watch your journey or buy your 
your songs? What can they do? Well, I, I think I'm on all music platforms under Chick, which is C-H-I-K-K. And then my Instagram and my website are The Chick Experience. So that's it. Awesome. And I'm sure you'll be announcing your album when it's released through yeah. the platform. <laughs> well, yes. we so much thanks for your time and we will hopefully talk with you soon and we speak yes, blessing, blessing upon blessing upon mm. blessing upon you yeah you and <laughs> even all gonna pour into yes i love you guys thank you so much